Are you tired of banks and the finance system as we know it just kind of sucking and we all just living with it? Do you want to grow your finances in a safer way instead of trusting the system we're told to trust that doesn't always seem to work in our favor? Today, I'm joined by Siri Ibrahim of the Thinking Like a Bank podcast to talk about banking on yourself. My name is Brent and welcome to the Fallible Man podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. We provide content to help men become the men they want to be, and we're going to get right into it today. This is the Fallible Man podcast, your home for everything man, husband, and father. Here is your host, the Fallible Man, Brent Dowling. Sari, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to meet you. Hi, Brett. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm a strong believer in men taking control of their finances. Frankly, everybody taking control of their finances. I had a just you know bell moment back about uh, January of 2020 when I happened to look at my company 401k and I realized I knew nothing about what I was looking at at all. Like it was over my head. And I realized how little I knew about my own financial situation. In the last year and a half, it's really become something I've just worked on educating myself about, but I've never seen the approach that you talk about before. Tell my listeners today, who is Sari Ibram? Who are you? Why do they need to listen to you? Why are you here today? Tell us what they need to know about you. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Brent. So, um, as you already said, my name is Sari Ibrahim. I'm from Chicago, Illinois, and I'm a financial planner. I help people, businesses, real estate investors protect their wealth, grow the time uh, guaranteed and predictably. And I think uh, one thing that would resonate with the audience on like why um, this it, is going to be an impactful conversation is because if we kind of take a step back and look at some of the problems that people have. I think typically finance is is on the top of the list for people's problems or their opportunities. So it's kind of up there as far as uh, what people think about, what people um, concentrate on is definitely their finance finances. And over the years after like doing my master's degree in business and working for different insurance companies and financial services firms, I've learned that a lot of people do certain things financially because of the way they're, they're taught not necessarily because of the things they've studied. And and with this, there's some, that could be problematic in some situations. Like, for example, what, when people think of growing wealth, they might think of instantly as a stock market. So like you're at your local bank or, you know, you have your insurance agent, you paid all your bills, and then whatever's left over, typically for a lot of people goes in the stock market. And of course, you know, the stock market over the last 10 years has been doing really well, but who knows how long that's going to be. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the stock market moving forward. And that's obviously opened up a lot of doors to a lot of problems for people by relying on the stock market, relying on financial advisors, Wall Street, banks, uh, the media kind of guiding us on what we're doing with our money. So I kind of saw these problems and I was like, you know, I want to go out there and talk about this new strategy for people, a strategy that I learned that I'm implementing. My wife and I are both implementing the strategy. And I want to tell as many people as possible about this and how we can help them grow well, avoid the stock market, the twists and the trends of the stock market, 
and not have to rely on banks moving forward. So that's kind of you know why I wanted to be on your show, why I wanted to talk about you know not just general financial planning, but a specific type of financial planning that helps people grow wealth outside the stock market, not have to worry about what's going to happen. That's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed saw you are a podcaster as well. Mm-hmm. Think like a thinking like a bank podcast. Right, that's you. Mm-hmm. Um, are you only on YouTube? Are on you? Are you on like just audio podcasts as well, or both? Yeah, yeah on all on all the podcasts. So my my website is a new, it's a new website. It's a, it's lagging a little bit of uh, lacking a few of the podcasts. I think right here is only about three or four episodes up. We actually have twelve episodes up on all the other po- po- podcast platforms. Okay, we have. Um, on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all YouTube, we have a YouTube channel with all the podcasts. I've also been, I guess, on over a hundred shows. So we have some of them on here. Yeah. Guest appearances. Um, and then yeah, it's been it's been nice. It's been really cool because I started it in March of this year. And for the last year, people have been telling me, like other hosts and stuff, to get my own show. Um, just because it, it kind of helps as a as a fellow podcaster, you could probably relate. It helps when you could uh, control the content you want on there. Like for example, like sometimes on my show, I want somebody who's an accountant, somebody who's a CPA on mm-hmm. just talking about taxes and we can do that. And then I'm working on right now with a lawyer to come on and talk about the legal sides of the strategy we use. Um, and you know, real estate investors, I brought, I brought a bunch of real estate investors on talking about real estate investing, what to look out for investing in real estate, things like that. So that's why I kind of started the show was so that I could cherry pick certain content subjects mm-hmm. And then bring on experts in those spaces. I still haven't done one solo episode yet. It's all just guest appearances only. Solo episodes are a little rough, man. I I, I filmed a lot of uh, <laughs> solo episodes before I got to guests. And it is uh, yeah, yeah. a different animal entirely to just solo you know, 20 to 40 minutes on your own. So you can go to finassetprotection.com to dig into this further with Sari or to get then I see you have consultations. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I recommend that all, like just kind of a general uh, financial advice for, for people listening is that when you work with other financial advisors and financial planners, you want to make sure that before they give you any recommendations, they do a full like thorough analysis on you and your financial situation before they come up with a financial product or a recommendation. It's like, imagine going to the doctor and then you walk in and the doctor's like, hey, check out this prescription. I think it'll help you out. <laughs> and you're like, I didn't even tell you what was wrong. You know, I didn't even, you didn't diagnose me, you didn't ask any questions. That's how it is with a lot of financial strategies is that people already, like the advisors will already have the prescription already written mm-hmm. out before they even meet with people. And obviously that that's problematic and, you know, leads to financial malpractice. A lot of people have lost a lot of money. They're, they've lost their savings. They've done crazy stuff like taking out loans against their homes, all because of you know male practice, just following male advice, bad advice. Um, and and obviously, you know, we, we need to be smarter than that. We need to be more wise. Uh, another problem I've seen is that people don't even know their specific financial situation themselves. Mm-hmm. Like so, in other words, I'll talk to a client and they'll say, you know, I have a bunch of debt. That's all they'll say. And then we will start getting deeper into it, like, well, how much? And, you know, they'll say, well, I have three credit cards. And then as we're going through the analysis, they're like, oh, you know, what? I never actually thought about these things. So what I started to do was I made a financial tracker 
that I track every single day. It sounds redundant, but I do this every day. So every day, Monday through Sunday, mm-hmm. I uh, log in the morning around like seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning. I log into all my accounts. And then I have an Excel sheet that I made for myself and I made for my clients mm-hmm. and actually give I give this away for free. Um, so it's like a tracker that has a day and a date. Like, so for example, today is uh, Monday, the 7th, June 7th. And then I'll say like how much I have in my checking, how much I have a checking account, how much I have in my savings account, how much cash I have on hand, uh, how much cash I have in my cash value, whole life insurance policy. Um, like I don't have a 401k, but if I did have a 401k, how much cash would be mm-hmm. there? And then there'd be a sum of assets. And then next to it would be how much I earn for that day in income, either through uh, so, so I'm self-employed. So that would be like income that I earn from the vendors that I work mm-hmm. with. And then on the right side of that, the far right side, it's all my debt. So it's like, for example, credit card number one, credit card number two, and I even named them. So if it's like Bank of America, Chase Bank, MasterCard, whatever it is, I named them. And then I put that debt in red for that day. So if one of them is you know $4,000 account balance, another one's $2,000, I'll write that in mm-hmm. there. And then when you do this every single day, it takes about 15 minutes to do this every day. When you, when you do this every single day, you know your numbers inside and out. You know exactly where you're at. And then the next question is, you know where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So if, if your goal is to reduce your debt down to zero debt, then you know, you can see in red what you have to do. So as you're earning more on the left side, then you can start pushing those dollars to the right side and seeing the numbers go down, the debt go down. Mm-hmm. If your goal is to increase income, you can increase that column. If your goal is to increase your net worth or the sum of assets, you can work on that. And then now your brain starts to think of different ways to help achieve your objective because you're seeing it every day. You're able to measure it precisely. And then therefore you're able to control. You're able to measure what you can measure, you can control. So that that's something that's helped a lot of people. And I actually, and again, I gave away this template for free for people who reach out to us. It's like an Excel template that has all the days and everything plugged mm-hmm. in. And all you do is just plug in all the numbers. And I've seen uh, significant impact results from the positive results from that, both on myself and from my clients. Sounds slightly like a cash flow statement, only more advanced or more yeah, broken yeah, you're down. Right, yeah. I should say more, yeah, more exactly, more decomposed, broken down, and uh, like day on a daily basis. Okay, so I, yeah, I've, I've seen cash flow statements, but it's a daily version of that with a more detailed breakdown. Tell us. Okay, I, I read a little bit about it, and I like I said, I listened to a couple of your shows. Tell us about the infinite banking concept or banking on yourself, because it it sounds so foreign to, you know, I, I'm watching the stock market every day and watching my investments and stuff like that. It sounds so not only foreign, but almost radically contrary to traditional ideas of saving and investing your money. Mm-hmm. you're right it is it's very different it's very kind of outside of the box radical um and it takes a, it takes a different mindset to really not only understand infinite banking but to also implement it too so i guess before i understand before explaining like what it is i think it'd be really important to understand like why it was even invented or why it was even created and the reason why it was is because if we look at everything we especially in the United States, everything we own or use is pretty much financed by a bank. If we think about, for example, um, student loans, you know, student, you know, a lot of people have student loans. Every more, every, a lot of homes have mortgages, car payments for, for um, cars and credit card bills. So we're constantly going to banks for financing. And although that could be convenient, 
the problem is when we do that on a long-term like horizon, a long-term spread, we, we it's very common to look back and say like, wow, you know, like about one third of all our money, when, that's actually the average, about one third of all the money we make goes to service debt. So that means that bank, we're almost like working for banks, even people who are self-employed and people who are real estate investors who are completely self-employed. It's almost like every time they want to buy properties or businesses, they're getting lines of credit extended from banks. And they're almost like sales reps for banks. They're just going out doing all the work, everything. And the banks are sitting back collecting passive income via interest. So the infinite banking concept was, was designed to address that specific reason, that specific problem of re positioning dollars that you're spending to financial institutions, but to re reposition them and, and spend those dollars back into your life. Where you're becoming your own banker, you're able to move your business and your real estate journey, your real estate empire, and then keep that interest back into your life. That's that was that's the reason why it was invented. And again, I think it was it's really important to understand the why before we understand what it is. Now to move into what it is, like you said, it's very uh, different from other financial strategies. It's it's kind of slightly even counterintuitive because what, what infinite banking is, is that it was invented by somebody named Nelson Nash. And Nelson Nash, he was in a lot of debt, the guy who invented it. And he was thinking about all the interest he was spent spending. So he came across um, whole life insurance. And he, and he noticed with whole life insurance, if you design it a specific way, a special way, and structure it properly from the right company, um, that you could earn that you can earn compound interest in the policy while still being able to um, invest in your business or, or on your real estate journey, whatever it is that you're doing, you you would be able to recoup that interest back into your life. So it's the use of dividend paying whole life insurance. Now, before I go too far into it, I kind of want to tell the audience is you know there's three different types of life insurance. There's term life, whole life, and universal. So term is just like a, the, the 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 term. It's like a, just like a saying of it. It's for a set period of time, usually 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years. There's a start date and there's an end date. And then there's no equity or cash value. So it's just, for example, somebody is 40 years old. They do a 20-year term life policy. They you know, they pay for it for 20 years. That's it. it, it let's just say it covers them for a million dollars life insurance. Mm -hmm. If something happens to them within that 20-year period, they are, their family gets $1 million, for example, their beneficiary. Right. If they survive that 20-year period, then the insurance company keeps the premiums and then they get nothing back. Nothing wrong with it. That's just how it is. A whole life is the opposite. There's a start date, but not necessarily an end date. Mm -hmm. And there's two things that are happening. One is that you're, you have life insurance. And the second thing is you have cash value that's building up. Now, infinite banking involves building up all the cash value in the policy to be able to use that for anything that you want to use. So that's kind of what whole life insurance is. And, and it's not every whole life insurance company. It's just it's a specific type of company and, and way of designing it. That's kind of the whole life. And then Universal is pretty much a combination of term and whole life. There's some different similarities and differences. Um, it's it's considered cash value life insurance. It's just there's a little bit more fluctuations to it. But to not, not confuse anybody, you know, we're talking about whole life insurance and using the cash value in that to pretty much become your own source of financing and growing it over time and addressing the, the, the problem we initially started with. And that is reducing the amount of interest we pay to other lenders and then recouping the interest back into our pocket. So I kind of just pull over now. I know that was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is why you guys do consultations, right? Because yeah. I didn't know you could even get a whole life policy. So mm -hmm. I'm, that's just a whole lot of levels you're unpacking there. Before we keep going, we're going to roll to our sponsor for a minute. Guys, if you're getting something <laughs> out of this, 
please give us a thumbs up. Check out Sari. Let us know you like it. Comment below and uh, stick around for the second half of the show. Today's episode brought to you by TheFallibleMan.com. That's right, it's us. Head over to www.TheFallibleMan.com and check out our blog, updated twice a week with new content, and links to all of our social media offerings. Tag or search us at TheFallibleMan or at FallibleMan on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social medias for daily content. While you're there, check out our Attitude Swag, shirts, cups, stickers, and more. Again, that's www.thefallibleman.com. All right, guys, we're back with Sari Ibrahim. I'm going to get that right sooner or later. I swear. The owner and founder of Financial Asset Protection and the host and founder of the Thinking Like a Bank podcast, talking about the idea of infinite banking. And if you've been following along on the show, he just gave us a I want to call it even a high level overview of what that even actually means. I'm pretty sure it could take four or five hours to unpack every single line of that. What, what do you want our listeners to focus most on in that, what they need to know, right? You're talking about whole life and that is what your system is based on, right? This infinite banking idea. So this is what I want the listeners to focus on. So there's about, on average, about 450 different financial products one could use. And then I, and then rather than so the consumer mindset is, you know, you're in a, you're in a grocery store or on a retail aisle, and then there's 450 products, and you're going to pick the best one out of that based on the way it looks, based on the way it sounds, based on its reputation based on the ingredients and based on other things like that. That's the consumer mindset. That's what most people fall into. Most people fall into the consumer mindset. They're buying things off of the shelf mm-hmm. that appear to be the best in their minds based off of what they've been taught and trained on. Um, it's the best for them. Now, with this concept, it doesn't work like that. It's not like you know, out of um, 450 products, you're going to pick you know, the, the best one, which is going to be infinite banking. Rather, I want you, to, before you start looking, Identify where you're at financially right now, where you want to go. So you're here, point A. Where you want to go is point B. And then you need a, you need a bridge to take you from point A to point B. And then ask yourself, what is the most efficient bridge for taking you from point A to point B? And that bridge is infinite banking. So that's kind of how I, I would like the audience to look at this is that you know, not necessarily what it is, not the title or the label of what you're getting yourself into, but rather how can it bridge you from where you're at right now to where you want to go? You know, we talked about how interest, how much interest we pay to third party lenders. You know, we didn't even get into taxes. I can talk about taxes too. We're about to see a spike in taxes in the future, uh, starting like now. They're already increasing the highest tax bracket from 37% to 39.6%. So that's going to impact a lot of people because um, a lot of that, that it's just impacted the highest tax bracket. Now it's going to get to the others soon. So we want to kind of figure out a way to not only reduce the amount of interest we pay to other lenders, but also how do we reduce our tax in the future? And then, you know, a third problem is market volatility. So, you know, obviously nobody knows what's going to happen in the stock market. Mm-hmm. It's doing well now, but who knows when, what's going to happen next. We typically see a crash every, you know, 
10 or 15 years. So, you know, it's just a matter of time of, of, of seeing what's going to happen and then not being able to time the market. Mm-hmm. And we also have liquidity issues too, where we need cash at certain times. We need to be able to um, leverage our retirement accounts or whatever sets we're, that we're investing in for short-term needs and wants. And so we're taking those four things and we're figuring out what is, the, what is, the, what is a way to bridge these four things from point A to point B. And in infinite banking, if you learn more about infinite banking, it could definitely do that. It can definitely do that. It can bridge you from point A to point B. Like for example, uh, my, my wife is a nurse. She has something called a 403B at work. Okay. Uh, it's a retire. It's a retire. It's like a 401k, but for a not-for-profit organization. Right. For so it's called a 403B. And the one problem that we see with that, and that I've helped her identify, is that you know that there could be volatility in that account because a lot of it is invested in mutual funds, which are invested in the stock market. There's some you know, bonds in there, some conservative investments, but for the most part, it's invested in the stock market. If there's another market crash, the 403 value will be impacted for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So one way that we've created a hedge against that is by uh, helping her with the infinite banking policy. She puts in about $300 per month for the next 40 years. And uh, I forgot what the numbers are, but by the time she retires, we'll have about like $1.5 million in guaranteed wow. cash value. So so that means that we don't have to worry. So even if there is a market crash, we have the $1.5 million just from one source of one, one policy and one source, excluding everything else. And if there's a rise in taxes, we'll be covered because it's a post-tax option or a post-tax vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, she, at any point, we could borrow against the funds and be able to use for anything we want. We're, we're going to use it for a down payment on a house that we're going to buy. So there's no liquidity holdup with it. Okay, good. And we're going to be able to recoup the interest back into our policy. So that's, that's kind of just one example out of many different ways to use infinite banking. Can I, can I pause you right there and ask about that? So I was listening to your interview yeah. on another podcast, trying to understand a little more about this before I talked to you. So I, I yeah. wasn't entirely speaking a totally different language when you started talking. And it sounded like kind of like borrowing from your 401k. It's kind of like that, but it's, different how is it different than borrowing from like a traditional 401k yeah so it's it's the same like it's similar you have a retirement account Mm -hmm. some sort of pot of money that you're growing and then you borrow against it um because you need the money and you don't want to withdraw because with the 401k when you withdraw there's usually a tax penalty so the way to get around that is by borrowing against the funds now um that's that's how it's similar you're borrowing against it where it's different there's a lot of differences. So number one is that a 401k is an investment vehicle. It's it's typically a mutual fund through work. That's that's typically what it is. So when you're borrowing against it, you're borrowing against from from the fund, from the pool of cash that you're invested in. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of other employees are there. And when you borrow against it, you're, you're borrowing from those funds. In a whole life policy, in the infinite banking policy, when you have your pot of cash, let's, let's just say it's $100,000 and you want to borrow against it, you're borrowing from the insurance company's general funds. So I guess that's one difference. Okay. The second difference is with the 401k, you have to pay back that loan. Um, and if you, let's say you lose your job, then the, the mutual fund will count it as a withdrawal. Let's say you borrowed $20,000, you lost your job or you quit. Now you you, you just get, you, it, just, it appears to be now a $20,000 withdrawal. And then you get a 10% tax penalty. And... Um, you pay ordinary tax on that twenty thousand dollars, so that could ha- that could impact you tax wise. On infinite banking, that won't happen because uh, number one, it's it 
it's on your own terms. Mm-hmm. And number two, the it's a post-tax vehicle. So you want to take the money out, you're taking out tax-free money, especially when you borrow it. It's it's tax-free money, loans, tax-free withdrawals, tax-free loans. That's kind of how it works in that sense. Um, and let's see what else. Um, there's a lot of differences. I think it's too many to kind of name out quickly. Another difference too was with whole life insurance. It's it's with a mutual insurance company mm-hmm. um, that's invested in conservative investments. So the vault, there is no volatility with whole life insurance, cash value whole life insurance, whereas with a 401k, there is. Now, as far as a loan, that won't really impact the loan, but it will impact the, the entire 401k. So I guess in, in overall, one thing to kind of resonate, mm-hmm. the differences between a 401k loan and an infinite banking loan is that with the infinite banking loan, it is way more um, liquid and on your own terms. You're in control of the loan. And then it keeps growing, obviously, even when you have an outstanding loan. Whereas with a 401k loan, it kind of pauses it. And the way it grows when you pay back interest into the 401k, that's how it grows right. again. So I, I got to ask you, just because you're talking about secure investments, right? And that's one of the big things mm-hmm. that your company talks about is this is a much more financially stable and secure way to invest your money. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the AMC GameStop stonks stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's it's definitely an example of um, being unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Like nobody saw that coming, right? Nobody saw that coming with GameStop and what was going to happen and and how a whole bunch of people on Reddit were just going to take over and just, you know, um, and the hedge funds didn't see that happening. But I guess the the point is that for people, for the, for the investors, is that you never know what's going to happen in the stock market. Right. Now, here's a twist to it, though. I'm not completely opposed to the stock market. I like I like hearing these stories and I like you know hearing about exponential growth in the stock market. Mm-hmm. But there's a way where you could do it with your whole life policy. You could do it with infinite banking because one of the principles of infinite banking and something we talk about on our show, thinking like a bank, we never talk about either or. Like either we do stocks or infinite banking. Mm-hmm. And again, that goes back to the consumer mindset. The consumer mindset is which one of these vehicles right. I, is going to be the I've best. I got to pick one, right? Yeah, exactly. You have to pick. Well, whereas with infinite banking, it's an abundance mindset. It's both and. You know, how many am I going to put on top of each other and pile up in a creative way, and thinking like a bank, and, and, and think of you know using multiple dollars for multiple functions? So absolutely, you could do infinite banking, and then when you come across this opportunity like GameStop or AMC or whatever happens in the future, you could borrow from the policy, use that to buy stocks, um, or any other stocks for mm-hmm. that matter. And then now you do both. Now you're investing in these exponential rises and you are also um, using infinite banking. And it's also a hedge against that law because if something happens with those stocks, oh, yeah. Yeah. you still have the policy and it does not decrease in value when you borrow. So that's also something to consider when you are, um, it's an abundance mindset. It's both and you can do multiple things, especially you know with the stock market and infinite banking at the same time. And I like the idea of you know hedging and having to say, backup because i i've had days where i just watched thousands of dollars just disappear but i like the idea of it's like okay so i have this and you know what i've, I've been good with this i can make an estimated so i'll pull some out of here to try this but i don't have you know i, I like the idea of, it's like i like multiple income streams right i like the idea of multiple revenue mm-hmm. streams just having your earned income from your job, nine to five job is a, is a horrible concept. And I wish they taught that better in school. So that makes mm-hmm. entirely Definitely. makes sense. 
We're going to stop for one second and go, hey, guys, it's time for the question of the show. Do you have some kind of savings system set up and what is it? Do you invest in the stock market, bonds, traditional 401ks, IRAs, or stick it in your mattress or in your bank? Because in the bank savings account is about the same as sticking it in your mattress. You may actually lose money at the bank. How do you guys do it? Share with us. If you're comfortable in the comments below, please don't leave any details. Just a general, what is your way of saving for a rainy day and investing your money? This is a two-part question for you. Is there a financial bar to get started with your company and investing the way you guys do and the way you guys teach people to do it? Or can anyone do it? And B, your company, Financial Asset Protection, helps people do this. So how would one of my listeners go about getting started with your company if they're interested in trying this out with you? Yeah, so I'll answer the second part first. So they can go to our website, like you said already, uh, you already showed it, finassetprotection.com, F-I-N, assetprotection.com. You can go there. You can schedule a free appointment, a free consultation. You can also email me from there. Um, you can add, I can send you a free copy of the book, Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. Nelson Nash, as mentioned already, is the one who invented the infinite banking concept. Okay. So I can send you a free copy of his book that he wrote. I'll send it to you via email for free. You can just reach out. Um, yeah, I already mentioned you can schedule an appointment. You can check out our podcast. There's a lot of there's a bunch of other free content too on there that you can check out. So that's kind of the one part. And then uh, now no, the first part of the question I do really understand it's the the financial bar. What does that mean exactly? Um, well, sorry. So I was uh, I was watching one of the other podcasts you were on, and the podcaster said that you primarily help large scale investors, people with a oh. lot more money. What, what we consider. Not necessarily everyday blue collar people like myself who are, are just trying to get started because we figured out our companies are going to screw us in the long run. Yeah, so um, question. Most of our specialty is for real estate investors, people who typically make more than a half a million dollars a year or have a million dollars in assets. However, that's not that's not who we're exclusive. Uh, Grant Cardone, so like Robert even, even my first policy. When I started first hour, my first policy. $300 per month. Mm-hmm. My wife's first policy, $300 a month. Our goal is to do a new policy every year, just like that. So that way we can have it like snowballing and compounding. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer specifically, you know, that's our specialty. That's not who we're exclusive to only. We talk to clients of all different backgrounds. I've talked to clients who are 19 years old, still in college, and we, we haven't even done a financial solution yet. We're just kind of planting the seeds for the future. Uh, I talk to people who are, you know, 70 years old. So, so, we, we, we're, we're kind of agile in the, in the financial approaches we have. We also have a referral partner, so we can do that analysis, kind of get an idea of what's good for mm-hmm. you, and then help connect you with, like, for example, if you're looking for a mortgage, you're looking for help for buying a house, we can connect you to the right person. If you're looking for um, business loan or trying to raise capital for your business, we can help you with that. So we can kind of, we, we built a network of different advisors around us. So that, we, so that way we don't churn down anybody, that we can help as many people as possible. And that's kind of the goal. We want to be able to be like a, a free financial a f- like a financial library for people, where people can come to us for free financial advice and free financial help, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then another thing too is, before I forget, you know, like, like these policies my wife and I are doing, you know, putting $300 a month, and a lot of our clients do this mm-hmm. too. It's like buying real estate. So like for those of you who don't know, when you buy one real estate property, you could leverage that property to buy a second property. And then you leverage those two properties to buy the third. And then you leverage those three to buy the fourth. 
this is how people end up buying like a, a hundred single family homes. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily because they have so much capital. Right. They they just had so much leverage and and understanding of how loans work and how real estate works. That's how they were able to do those over and over. And the same is true with life insurance and infinite banking. Is it? We're, we're going to try to do it where it's like we buy one policy, use that to buy a second, third, fourth, and all of a sudden now you have you know you know twenty million dollars in retirement tax free money because of all these policies you use to leverage each other. Okay, so I I understand the real estate analysis or analogy a little better because I've, I've read quite a bit in that right you know researching my own financial journey it's like everybody starts reading about real estate investing so what I'm hearing is there there really isn't there is you know anybody from the guy who makes twenty thirty thousand dollars a year and wants to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. has the ability to come and, and look at the system and start learning about it and start working towards getting this in play, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's important. What is next for you, sir? For me, so one project I'm working on is I want to, this is probably maybe in the next five years, I want to start a national not-for-profit organization that helps give out free content or free advice even advice free content um free recommendations for people around the whole country in any way any angle of financial planning so for for people who are going through bankruptcy or got out of bankruptcy for people who are saving up for their first home for people who are in credit card debt uh people who want to um invest in certain things mostly on the helping people with financial problems all for free done in all 50 states and no fees, no, um, no, nothing for sale, um, all done for free. And uh, the only way we would make money is through donations, through a, f- a not-for-profit organization. That's probably going to take me about five years to build out, understand. I know nothing about not-for-profit organizations, mm-hmm. but that'll probably take about five years um, to do. And that's something I, w- I really want to do. I'm very passionate about helping people financially and getting them out of and, – and, and spreading more financial literacy. So that's why I want to do the not-for-profit organization. Wow, that's that's an incredible goal. That and that's that's a beautiful dream, man. That's awesome. I love Thank that you. you want to reach out and help people and help people get it under control because we our financial education system is just lacking. Would be a kind word, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you? You've got the website, right? Mm-hmm. Got yeah. the YouTube channel. LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I think there's a link from the website to LinkedIn, so you can go. So everything that everything is jointed or connected with finassetprotection.com, and then from there you can connect me on LinkedIn, email. I'm working on the other socials still, but yeah, LinkedIn is also another way you could find me too. Sari Ibrahim at LinkedIn. Sari, thank you for taking the time to join us on the Fallible Man podcast today. I really appreciate you being here and spending time with us and helping my audience, guys. Please go check out Sari. See what he is offering, guys. You never stop learning about your financial future. This is something I've never heard of. I'm definitely going to have to check it out. It could help you incredibly. This may be a better answer than half the other answers out there. Be better tomorrow because of what you do today. And we'll see you next time. This has been the Fallible Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.